0: to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. We're back. Hello. <laughs> yes, I've, we are. We're yeah, here. Surprise. I, I was going to say,
1: like, I was going to lead off with the fact that, like, there's only one more week before the world hears all of Chris Pratt's Mario, but I didn't want to, like, bring the show <gasps>
0: yeah. to that level again. <laughs> uh, but
1: I just did. you question my hello you know
0: (laughs) it's me ryan (laughs) i yeah i don't know i'm i know i'm gonna go see it um but yeah i'm still so skeptical that it's gonna be good but i mean i think the movie will be good i just hope that um pratt doesn't take me out of it
1: (laughs) I, i think i think you're right i think it'll be fine
0: i think it'll be fine i think i'll get used to it yeah
1: I know the, the kids are really looking forward to it. And uh, it's funny. Um, we were at the library and this is all connected. I promise we were at the library <laughs> and um, Ashley got a call that, uh, that Abigail won a prize from the library. And so I said, Oh, cause you did, they did, you know, you do those scavenger hunts and sometimes like, you know, it's just so the kids have fun, but also yeah. like there's a prize. Hey, there's a prize do this so that you're not, you know, running around the library. Um, But I guess it's a scavenger hunt, so they end up running through the library. Anyways, long story short, she won. We went to collect the prize, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what it'll be. And it was a movie ticket. So I said to Abby, like, that's your Mario movie ticket. You get to go for free and get like a combo or whatever, which we normally will get one and share it. But, but she'll have her own because she won this prize, which went over super well with her older brother because he's super <laughs> understanding um
0: (laughs) well if he doesn't have to share with his sister then that means he gets his own too right (laughs) well there you
1: go if he heard this episode you basically just you basically just talked me out of getting any popcorn so i really appreciate that (laughs) Uh, you're welcome so uh anyways yeah like so we we got we got one ticket covered we're gonna go we're probably gonna go see the mario movie i haven't actually sorted out like when we'll go see it it does open next I think next Wednesday or something. I, I want to give it a few days. I'm not like worried about, you know, the oh, the post credit scene for the Mario movies is, you know, this It's like, I'm not, I'm not worried that that's going to be all over Twitter. You don't
0: think that the Mario movie is going to get spoiled for you. <laughs>
1: I don't think so. Like, I think like, I think what will happen the most when it arrives will be just, Hey guys, don't worry. You know, chris pratt isn't as bad there'll be like general you know uh reception to the film that we'll we'll see i think that will kind of dominate the internet for a couple days yeah it won't be like a a marvel movie where it's like here are the top five things we learned from the last five seconds (laughs) of the film you know (laughs) spoiling everything for that yeah if, if you're super connected to the universe that is if you you know don't care about modox but guess what you don't have to worry about going on the <laughs> internet that day which was a real thing by the way it was actually spoiled i'm not joking um
0: wow yeah. i honestly like i had just stayed away from spoilers around the new marvel movie so much i did not know that was a thing i still i still haven't seen that actually i haven't seen it
1: i'm waiting for disney plus at this <laughs> we're so close to point,
0: it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it's been long enough but uh anyways yeah I uh, when we see the Mario sure movie, that, we'll yeah, back.
0: we'll have our yeah, we'll have our thoughts once uh, once we actually get out to see it. Uh, but yeah, so um, we actually uh, we both took a look at the Diablo open beta this past weekend. Uh, I wasn't actually playing, but we had a whole bunch of guys over to our house for a D and D weekend this weekend, and one of the guys wasn't playing D and D, so he was uh, playing Diablo Four in the beta. <laughs> so I watched him play a bit, and uh, I mean, to me now, you actually had like hands on and like played. It looks so much like Diablo 3, minus the characters. Like I was cause in Diablo 3, I remembered playing like a Demon Hunter and a Crusader, and neither one of those are, are options in um the Diablo 4 open beta. So I guess the the rogue kind of character looks demon hunter-ish, like does some jumping around and putting down traps and stuff like that. But um yeah, the crusader wasn't an option, and I was like, hmm. I remember really liking the Crusader. So they still had the wizard. The wizard was still there. But which one, which character did you end up picking up?
1: I played as uh, so I played as the rogue. Cause like you, my first character in Diablo three was, was the demon hunter. And it's funny, as soon as you said demon hunter, I'm like, oh, I immediately thought of wow. And then I realized like, no, that's right. <laughs> there was a demon hunter in, in Diablo. And it was like, um,
0: you had like the dual like crossbows. Yes.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. And uh, so I I kind of lean towards the rogue because I do like a ranged, more physical ranged as opposed to magic ranged. Although I know that uh, from what I've heard after playing the Veda, the sorcerer and the necromancer were like really high powered, you know, magic uh, based based classes.
0: I saw a lot of people having a lot of fun with the necromancer. Yeah, uh, we play we air quotes <laughs> played druid, um, which seemed really really fun so you can actually like shapeshift from your like human druid form into like a a werewolf form or a bear form like it was it was really cool and then you have a whole bunch of like kind of shaman-y spells like earth spells and lightning and stuff like that so i think they've done a a really good job of kind of like creating new and interesting classes in diablo but the gameplay, like if you don't, if you didn't like Diablo three, like you're not gonna like Diablo four. It's the same.
1: Yeah, it it's very similar to, to uh, Diablo three, and um, I think all of the classes. So uh, my experience before Diablo three with Diablo one and Diablo two is is very minimal. Like, uh, my cousin played a lot of it, and he would constantly talk about Diablo. And anytime I've I've seen the first two Diablos was when. I was at his house and he was he was showing me how cool those two Diablo games are. But uh, my understanding is like all of the classes that are in Diablo Four are sort of pulled from previous games. So I uh, or or at least are related to
0: inspired new, to, by
1: <laughs> yeah. Like the Druid, I think was in two. The Necromancer was was one that was in two and had a DLC release for three.
0: Oh, I vaguely remember that now.
1: Yeah, and it was like. It, we we talked about it. it was a while ago. We talked about it, but it was um it was actually priced pretty reasonably considering what what you were getting in terms of like as part of the Diablo game. Like a new class is like a whole new. I have infinite hours to play this game again because that's how people yeah. play Diablo. Is they they play the same class and they just go go go.
0: Well, and that's the thing about the um the beta right is that like it was only up to level twenty five I think. And that's, like, again, from, like, what I understand and what, because I I used to watch a lot of Leviathan stream, and uh, that's not the game. (laughs) Like, the game of Diablo is, like, the end game when you start getting into, like, the infinite Paragon levels and you get to, like, Paragon, like, 587. Like, that's where diablo the game lives you know so like getting to level 25 is kind of like yeah okay but like diablo is the end game so like did you find it was a a interesting fun beta like are you on board with buying this when it comes out in june like what were your thoughts post beta play
1: uh well i um so for me, in terms of Diablo, like my my time with Diablo has always been like other folks are playing it, and and that's how I got into it. I remember having like a lot of, we'd have like LAN parties for three, and we'd all get together in the same house, and it wasn't really a land party because you're all playing over the internet, and like if someone were to unplug the internet, it wouldn't work, so it wasn't really a, like a like a <laughs> land party by definition. But we were all in the same space, uh, playing the game, and and um and we would play. As a group, you know, I didn't play any, uh, I didn't have any, um, uh, party up for Diablo four. So it was just solo. That being said, um, where I come into a game is like, I really love a good, you know, storytelling mechanics and, and gameplay. And I, and I also really like, you know, when a lot of stuff is, there's like a rich environment there and there's a rich, you know, storytelling and there, everything's voiced in the game outside of when a player is like actually Reading something, like if you're reading a tablet or or whatnot, but like there's a lot of vo in the cities, it, you know, in the game, you're talking to characters and and it felt like they brought that forward from three. But the biggest thing for me coming away from the beta was like the visuals of your character, like you build this character out, you, you, you can create your own character. No longer are there classes tied to you know specific you know you you have the the um, yeah, I think it was the female demon hunter, and that was your only option. Mm-hmm. in diablo 3 and then like um i think it was a female barbarian and maybe now i'm trying to remember like yeah i think <laughs> I, those are the two i remember and i think it was like the the male necromancer for sure but then maybe you could choose gender in in three maybe it was two where it was logged i'm forgetting doesn't matter in this one you can customize your character to your to your heart's content and then that actually applies to like cut scenes and for once, when you have these like action RPGs, when you zoom in, it looks really good. Like the carrot like the cutscenes <laughs> will literally like the camera will swoosh down and and change the the angle, and it's all just playing in real time, and it it looks fantastic. And there are varying degrees of these cutscenes, but in terms of what the beta offered, like it was a very large beta. Like I I was trying to get to level twenty to get the once I saw you could get like a free you know pup or something uh, like a it was a cosmetic. They're all cosmetics, but right? Get, right? Like, yeah. A, a wolf pup that would like hang out in like a hood or something. And that's okay. Well, I'll get to level 20, which I did. And what was in that beta was like, they said a majority of act one, a couple of areas were locked off, but, uh, it looks like when you play the game, you'll be able to start the game and you'll, you'll have immediate access to act one, two, and three, which is in your quest log while you're playing. You just can't access the areas for two and three, but it's all in this like opening area that you're going to be playing. Um, so in terms of act one, like there was a lot of, uh, side quests and optional quests, a lot of dungeons you could do. I didn't touch the dungeons. Cause like I said, I was playing by myself. So like those were kind of lacking in, you know, storytelling and whatnot. It was more just like kill all the things in here and jump out, which is right. great content when you're playing with your friends. But when you're solo, it, it, it's a little, it's a little tiresome. Uh, but the story was really good. Like I, I, I understand that there are, you know, there's, there's some, diablo related bad guys that are that are trying to do something bad uh possibly take (laughs) over the world you know heaven and hell fighting you know war eternal type thing and and uh i've always enjoyed like the storytelling in diablo from what i've played uh because you have all these really interesting characters that that are constantly at war and then all of a sudden like you're just the nephilim you're the the humans just trying to survive in sanctuary while there's this big war going around. and uh, it feels like they've really like put a lot of storytelling into this into this game into Act one, um, mm-hmm. and uh introducing you know Lilith is the big bad and and she features like prominently uh in the game, so yeah,
0: I did notice that, um, as I was watching Adam play, is that like Lilith seemed present as opposed to like diablo or any of like the bosses from any of the acts in diablo 3 it was like it really felt like you were kind of like following lilith through the landscape and you know like finding out what she had done as she was like building up her power which i much prefer like when i when i'm playing my games and my storytelling and stuff is when like you have more interaction with the villains like. That was a, it's a huge problem that WoW has kind of struggled with lately in their storytelling is that, like, they try so hard to obscure the bad guy or make them, like, mysterious or super powerful or whatever that it's like by the time you end up fighting them, you're like, I don't even know who you are versus, like, Wrath of the Lich King where Arthas was, like, in your face all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, it's just a totally different style of storytelling. And I think that it's it's much more... Uh, engaging when you actually get to like, like you don't have any confrontations with Lilith, but you're kind of like following the aftermath of what she's done. And uh, that to me just is so much more interesting.
1: Yeah. It it seems like in this one specifically in Diablo four, like they've really hit the ground running. They, they take care of the, you know, that the big bad is back because the intro cinematic is like literally you know, the, the birth of Lilith, yeah, the you birth know, of returning, her, yeah,
0: the, her return. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, you immediately feel that, that presence. And I think, uh, you, you, you are kind of following in Lilith's path as you're trying to, to, uh, to catch up with her. Obviously she's much more powerful, so she's usually one step ahead, but I, I did complete the beta and felt like the act one that they were presenting was like really well really well structured and, and there was a lot of storytelling more than I remember from Diablo three. Like I, again, I don't have a strong connection to the franchise. So, you know, for folks that do are are probably going to consider this wrong, which is fine. But like, I I felt in Diablo three, like it just didn't feel like there was a lot of story happening. Like they, like the story was, how do we bring Diablo back again? You know? And, and that was like the background of the story of like Diablo's coming back, but how, you know, it goes back to your, your, you know your thoughts on like the big bad is is more mysterious, not back just yet, but somehow Diablo is going to come back. Whereas in this one, they present the 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 villain right away, and you are constantly feeling her presence as you're as you're trying to mm-hmm. you know uh, figure out exactly. We don't even know what her plan is. Like we know yeah. that she's back. And we know she's trying to do something. We just assume that it's and it probably is bad for uh, sanctuary. Like she probably wants to, I don't know, destroy it, I would guess. Uh, But it's it just feels like there's a lot more story going on right off the bat. Whereas in Diablo three, it was just like, oh, it's just so great to be back in this world. Let's go. Let's go find the cow level or whatever, you know.
0: Well yeah. And the other thing that I found with four versus three was just tone. Like tonally mm-hmm. it feels darker. Yes. Than than three did. Three, I remember like there was kind of like the wooded area at the start, but then the the part that I remember the most for whatever reason was there was like kind of like a desert area and there was like that town that we got chased through or whatever. And it just all felt like the memories I have of Diablo Three are just very bright and like sunny. (laughs) And I'm like, it just doesn't really evoke Diablo vibes versus like 4. And again, obviously this, you didn't get to see the whole entire game map. You were very like um, held to one area and the area you were in would be very similar, I think to Diablo 3's first area as well. Like that kind of like wooded, rocky terrain sort of deal. But uh, it was like, it just felt darker. Like the story was darker, the setting was darker, like everything was just like gritty, more mature.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they really, um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Diablo 3 when it launched was like more lighter in tone. Like there was, I think people were upset that there was, you know, literal light in the world. Whereas they've (laughs) kind of looked at Diablo 4 as like this opportunity, like, all right, like we'll set it 30 years in the future Somehow things are much, much worse. It's much, much darker. There's demons everywhere. Uh, Just outside of town, you'll find demons. Um, And like, it's just it's steeped in just just blood and gore. There's one section that literally reminded me of the um, that one game. Oh, Scorn. There's literally like a, a level that is just basically, you know, designed by or inspired by Scorn. Just a lot of like goop and intestines, just like hanging around on the walls, and you literally have to destroy like giant lumps of blech just to like yeah, yeah, just to get by. Uh, Blood, yeah, exactly. Technical term. Um, I think it's in the design doc, but it's it, it but it doesn't go, it doesn't go too far. I, you know, I I I kind of compare it to scorn. Scorn went too far. You know, it was that was sort of its that was sort of what it was, it was trying to do that. And it did, it did a really good job of like designing this really gross game. And that was its main, so that's one of the features, right? But in Diablo four, like, I think they really, it, it is gross. So, you know, I, I think, I think of whirlwind specifically in the discord has said like, he won't play anything gross. This is gross. If you're not into, into yeah. the, like gross video games, you're not going to want to play this one. It's very bloody. It's very gory. Um, But it doesn't go super over the top like i think that it um if people are worried that oh man they took diablo and just like went too far with it i don't think it goes that far you know but it certainly does go back to the uh, the origins of diablo of 1 and 2 being more of a more of a gory more of a a bloody experience you know and um even the side quests are much darker in tone you know i don't remember yeah. anything quite like that in diablo 3 it was more like comical of like you know, uh, oh, there's a bunch of demons over there. We got to go kill them. Like, yes, I'll do that. And it was more heroic and less like they—they they really upped the tone with this one. I felt mm-hmm. and um, but but it fits. It fits within the world of Diablo for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so you you did the cross progression thing too, right? So you played it on two different platforms.
1: Yeah, this is something I wanted to test because honestly, um, I don't feel like. Paying for the game twice, uh, it was, <laughs> considering it is a ninety dollars game here uh, in Canada, um, so I took advantage of the fact that we're in open beta and we could play it on whatever. Uh, so I started playing on PC, and I was playing on like a lower end, well, not lower end, but like a like a not high powered gaming laptop, just like a general laptop, and uh, it ran really well. So like that was my first test. I wanted to see like how how does this game perform on Less than ideal hardware. Like right now we're in the, I think the 4,000 series of graphics cards from NVIDIA. Um, So like if you have like a, if you don't have a state of the art PC, like this thing's going to run really well. It's well optimized and um, looks great no matter, like as long as you have, you know, recent ish hardware, you don't have to have the best of the best. So that was Mm -hmm. sort of test number one. And then I thought, oh, you know what? This has cross progression as well as cross play. Uh, but cross progression for me is like one of the, one of the ones I want to look for. Cause again, like to be able to jump between PC and console would be really cool. Especially if this does end up coming to, uh, Xbox game pass. If, if the Activision deal goes through. So I downloaded on, (laughs) you you, after saying that you'll think this is funny, but I downloaded on the PlayStation (laughs) five, uh, (laughs) to test it there. And I, and I realized the irony of, of the statement of like it coming to game pass and then testing it on a completely different platform and. I realized, like, I don't really want to download it again, so I'll just try it on the PS5. And I don't know when I did this, but uh, I must have linked my Battle.net account to my PlayStation profile because I booted up the game and instantly my character shows up. I thought I was going to have to scan a QR code or link something. (laughs) I was prepared. I had my laptop or my phone, depending on what I needed to do, but it was all done. It worked. Um, I hit the button, jumped in, in terms of queues, like the first day there was, I had like literally a 40 minute wait, but then by the end of the weekend, um, it, it took minutes to get into a game. So I don't think that was because less people were playing. I think it was literally Blizzard tuning their, their servers and making sure they had more resources dedicated. (laughs) You
0: have so much faith in Blizzard. (laughs) I do. But
1: honestly, like I, again, like the, the beta was was running all weekend and I, and I played, this was on like a Saturday night. I played every evening of the beta. And after that initial experience on Friday afternoon, I was in, in a minute. So again, like, yes, it's hard to have, you know, faith in blizzard, but I think in this case, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt in that they successfully tuned, you know, the game to, to get people in as quickly as possible, because I was experiencing 40 minute waits on Friday, uh, and I don't think people just stop playing like the beta was super popular, but we'll see at launch. That'll be the real test. Yeah, right? That'll
0: be the. Yeah, that's that's the big question, right? Is did they learn enough from the beta to give a smooth launch? I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess there's going to be really big cues on launch yes. as well. But, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, did you play anything else cool this week you want to talk about?
1: I did. So, uh outside of like the big huge open beta of Diablo 4, um for the last couple of weeks I've been playing a new uh smaller title called Dredge, for which I I was able to get a code from the publisher, and this is a fishing adventure uh and kind of related Diablo has like a hint of horror in the background. Like there's like some weirdness going on in the background of this uh of this fishing adventure game where I
0: Oh, okay, so like not horror, like um, you're diving really deep in their sharks, like horror, like traditional, yeah, horror genre stuff. Okay, okay, like kind
1: of like gothic horror, like the Cthulhu type stuff, where it's oh, like
0: okay. Elder horror.
1: Elder horror. yeah. I I don't know like all the different types of, of horror, but that's that's the one I'm thinking of. Is like it's got like more, um, uh, like it, there is stuff. There is definitely stuff in the water that's going to try to get you. It's it's not sharks. Um, it, I can say <laughs> that right now. There's, as far as I know, I did not run into any sharks. I was able to finish the game and did not come across a shark. If I had come across a shark, it was probably while I was fishing and – was no, no issue there. Like I, okay. <laughs> the shark was afraid of me because I was able to to catch the shark. No problem. Um, just by fishing. And uh, but that being said, there's definitely some stuff in the water that you're going to want to watch out for, uh, especially in the evening. Like if you stay out. So for essentially how the game works is you're, you're a fisherman that washes ashore. Your boat gets uh, hit. Some rocks is damaged beyond repair. And you, you arrive in this town and this town's like, The mayor is like, hey, I can give you a new boat. No problem. Here you go. You just have to pay off your debt. And you're probably thinking like, oh, man, the debt's going to be like some astronomical number. But no, it was like it was nice. The game was it was only 100 bucks and I paid it off almost right away. And I thought it's not an Animal Crossing situation (laughs) where you suddenly owe like millions of bells to the to the mayor of the town. It's not like that. Um, But the game keeps you in this area as as you get into the loop of like okay uh you're you're catching fish um the way you catch fish is by having a specific type of uh a rod and um you go up to a sort of a fishing spot you you hover your boat over there you have direct control of your boat you hit the fish button and then a little mini game a time mini game will pop up and depending on the type of fish uh you're trying to catch whether it's coastal or shallow or i think there's like there's like seven different types of, of fishing spots okay. and um, the mini game is, is time-based. So I think for the normal ones, it's like, you'll have like a, like a circle um, uh, and you, you have like that little, I'm trying to think like, you know, like the metronomes where like stuff will move back and forth. You have to hit the button at the yep. just the right time. It's kind of like that. So most of the mini games are based around like hitting a button. Uh, in this case, whether you're on the keyboard or the controller, you hit a single button, and then if you hit it in the right spot, you've gotten closer to catching that fish. There's like a little real line to the left uh, of your minigame. Oh, and, yeah.
0: Okay, I see. Yeah. And so it's basically like skill checks and Dead by Daylight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Except you don't, Um. I mean, you don't fail. So if you continuously fail, uh, I, I never had a fish get away but uh it takes longer to get that fish so for example if you keep failing progress
0: will like because it looks like there's kind of like a fishing line on the left hand side and like the fish gets closer to the surface or further away so if you hit the red instead of the green it just gets further away
1: yes and takes
0: longer oh okay i see
1: so you don't progress your 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 line while you're while you're fishing and You know, you're catching these fish and some, sometimes you'll catch, you'll, you'll catch normal fish. Other times you'll catch what are look to be like corrupted fish. So that gets into like more of the horror aspects where you're catching like a salmon, but the salmon has, you know, clear corruption, uh, going on. Uh, but that, but that's not a bad thing. Like you take it back to the, to the town, you sell it all, you get gold, you use that gold to buy upgrades. Um, you buy new rods, you can buy uh, upgrades for your ship alongside uh, materials that you have to collect, which is another mechanic similar to fishing. But you have, uh, well, it's the namesake of the game. It's dredging. So you go up to these like areas of like wreckage and then oh, okay. you would engage with that wreckage and you would start to dredge. And it's a similar experience as fishing where you're, again, having to perform a mini minigame. Um, in the case of dredging, it's like you have two lanes And you're moving like a dot through those two lanes and you have to kind of like skip lanes in order to avoid uh, uh, obstacles. Mm. And the way to progress is basically to to get it through those obstacles as fast as possible uh, and then and then finish up the dredge. And then you suddenly have the materials you need to upgrade your ship Um, in this case, like upgrades could be. You know, additional slots for your engine or your fishing rods. Um, You can unlock a trawling net. So essentially, like you put the net in the water and then as you're progressing through the game and just driving, you'll you'll catch fish automatically, which is very good in the late game as you're like done with the whole fishing aspect and you're you're just collecting money as you go through uh, to sort of earn it on the. Um, as you're just progressing rather than having to actively fish, like eventually you do get to a point where I had a good, I had a good chunk of money. Like I didn't need to worry about actively going out and finding specific fish to sell because I had enough money just from playing the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, the whole point of the game outside of like fishing and collecting and, and, uh, and upgrading your boat is that you're trying to find these like relics for this mysterious man who just he wants all these relics you know there's something going on like he's he's a bit of a fishy character but he wants all these relics <laughs> thank you and uh and he uh so he wants all these relics and he'll he kind of points you in the right direction and you say okay like if you want to find this sunken ring go look in this area and he'll mark it on your map so you travel to that area you'll complete some side quests um sometimes those quests lead directly to you finding the relic you're looking for but for the most part you can kind of just do you know, a couple of side quests, and then you'll eventually be finished with that area. It's not a super long game. I think I played it. I finished about ten hours. I was able to get all the relics and um, and get like I'd say ninety percent of the upgrades along the way. Uh, but uh, like the fishing spots and the dredge spots, they're not um, they're not set. Like they they randomly respawn as you as you finish up your days. So okay, it's it's not like all the the quests are set. Obviously, they don't respawn. But, uh, but all the, all the fishing and dredge spots is spots too, but it's, it's like a fun little, it's a fun, small game, but there is some stress to it. You know, like I mentioned, there's, there's some things that are trying to get you, especially at night. And if you find yourself sort of, uh, fishing out a little too late, a little too far from port on your way back, you might get eaten by a, like a fish monster. There's a lot of big fish monsters um, that will chase you. <laughs> it's hard to see where they're coming from because as night falls, like your vision, your cone of vision really, you know, decreases
0: shrinks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you really want to make sure like when you're out fishing to know like where your closest, uh, port is so you can get back and, and rest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I really enjoyed, uh, my time with it. It was, it, like I said, it was a smaller game. It was nice to kind of play alongside some of the bigger titles that we've been talking about lately. And, uh, it's available on everything. It's available on Steam. It's on Switch. Uh, I think it might even be on PlayStation as well.
0: I'm pretty sure yeah. it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, like it's it's got a it's got a good story to it. It does have like that more, as you said, Eldridge uh, horror feel to it. Um, you know, tentacles, uh, you know, fog, mist, that sort of thing. All trying to get you as you as you try to uh, progress through this game.
0: It sounds really interesting, um, and it's got a kind of a cool art style too.
1: Yes, yeah, it has a really neat art style. Um, it is it it's, it is three D, you know, based, but it's got like a lot of hand drawn art for the for the characters and such as they're engaging with, you know, dialogue and stuff. But also like all the fish, all the all the materials you're finding have that like hand drawn feel to it whereas everything else is sort of 3D animated. But um, yeah, like it and it it is really cool. Like I really enjoyed like upgrading the ship and getting more um, more storage space and just being able to like find more fish and being able to sell them. And uh, there's also like research stuff, too. So like you can research new engines and like at the start of the game, you're you're fairly slow. But then as you, you know, get stronger engines and stuff like you can really motor uh, it's super cool, <laughs> which is
0: useful apparently at night.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, hundred percent. And you're also unlocking like abilities as well. So as you find more relics for this character, who's looking for them for some mysterious reason, uh, and you just agree to help him out, even though he's super shady, uh, he uh, he will give you power ups. Um, one of them is like a boost to your engine, and others are like a like a protection spell and even a teleportation spell. So like as you're out in the environment. If you finish up a quest, say you get a new relic, you just hit that teleportation button and then you're back to uh, back to him to give him the relic and closer to your home port. So it's it's really neat. Like, again, it's um, I really enjoyed it Uh, outside of like there is a bit of stress there as you're trying to, you know, navigate some. Some smaller areas, like if you bump your ship really hard against the rocks, uh, which you'll do um, because there are some (laughs) tight spots in the later game, you will lose cargo or even um, damage really essential pieces to your boat, like your motor. I've had that where uh, I had um, one engine, (laughs) uh, one really strong engine, but when I bumped against a rock, uh, the engine was disabled, and suddenly I'm like, "Oh God, this is gonna take a while to get back." Uh, Even though I could (laughs) teleport, it was still a bit of a jaunt back to the home, uh, port where I could repair. So you gotta be careful there. But as I said, as you progress through the game, you get more, you know, you get more unlocks, you get stronger boats, you get, uh, or stronger, uh, your boat becomes stronger, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And there's a lot of like, a lot of little side quests you can do. Like you, like if you're into the collecting, there's a lot of like collect, um, collect these specific fish for this specific person. And, and, and there's a bit of an inventory game as well. Like you like the inventory is like all done in these. It's kind of like Resident Evil style, like with the 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 storage where it's um it's kind of like Tetris. Oh, you have right. To fit so it everything.
0: Yeah, everything takes up space and they're different shapes and stuff. And yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so you have to kind of be mindful of that. And also, like, as you're upgrading specific spaces in your boat are assigned, you know, this is a light spot. This is a fishing rod spot and that's where you put your gear so your gear and its shape also has an impact so you're constantly like if you're in the volcanic area you want to make sure you have a a rod that can fish in in those types of areas so you can actually catch fish there so you're having to like swap parts in and out which doesn't cost you anything but time like if you already own the part you don't have to pay them to install it they just they do it for free it just takes time but if you don't have a rod you know, in that slot, like in those spaces, you can still put stuff in those spaces. So it just, it keeps you from just loading your ship with every single different kind of rod. You have like a a finite amount of space, but it doesn't take up space that could be used for like a fish you caught or something. Mm. Um, So like, it's very, it's very flexible too. Like I really, I really like that part of it as well, where it didn't, it didn't um, harm you to say, put a bunch of upgrades into your, you know, rod space, because like it just it just gave you more options to to put more dif- differing equipment in there. Like you can, it's very flexible. It doesn't punish you for sort sort of like moving around. Like okay, I'm I'm in this specific area. I got to swap out my gear. Like it didn't feel like there's no clock. There's no ticking clock in the background. It wasn't it was like, like a, cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's a it's not cumbersome. It's a bit like. You you can swap it out really quick. Like I think the biggest part is like it doesn't punish you for taking your time. You know, there's no timed stuff. So like, you you really just you need to make sure like, oh, uh, you know, you have the proper equipment. And if you say kill a day trying to get to a spot, then getting the proper equipment, then sleeping so you're not uh, if you stay awake too long, you start to panic, and then that that will have (laughs) your
0: boat. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. That will have your boat like pretty much spontaneously combust as you're out there like uh <laughs> even if there isn't like a giant fish trying to kill you uh if you if you're too panicked like the panic kind of takes over um but uh yeah like you can it doesn't there's no there's no time limit for stuff like you can take your time with this there's no ticking doomsday clock in the background although it would fit with the game like a, a doomsday clock yeah, in this type of game clock? would fit yeah but it's not there like you can take your time uh, trying to find these relics—it's not a big deal. So, it can be—it can be relaxing. But then there are some areas that are
0: like—I was going to say—if it wasn't for the horror aspect, I feel like this would be a very like chill, relaxed fishing and collecting game. But it yeah. sounds like because of that, like horror piece and the don't be out after dark, and you know, like all of those undertones, that maybe uh, the fishing adventure is not all that there is to it and so like your mileage may vary on your relaxation <laughs> yeah
1: like like i said it's not uh, it feels like there are parts that are relaxing but as you put it uh there's enough of like there there's a bit of a there's yeah there's definitely some not so relaxing parts of this as you're even in the daytime like you have things trying to kill you uh
0: <laughs> wonderful <laughs> yeah
1: exactly but it's not like you're diving and sharks are trying to kill you like there's nothing like that it, there's nothing <laughs> there is stuff sneaking up on you but it's not it's not sharks so yeah, and, you're, and you're not in the water you're, don't at least you're spoil
0: in the boat. anything don't spoil it <laughs> it's not a spoiler it's not a spoiler
1: there's there there are bad fish out there and uh they're just they're just trying to eat you that's all
0: yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. And again, it, available on many different platforms. You guys should go and check it out again. That is dredge. Um, if you guys like what we do, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show like Captain Purple did. Thank you so much for becoming our March patron. Uh, we don't have a game club set up yet, but uh, we are open to discussions and suggestions. So check out the text channel. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, hashtag game club in our Discord. That is at bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you want to uh, weigh in on what we should play in the next game club. That brings us to the news this week. We got quite a few stories this week, uh, including a YouTuber who spent over $22,000 to buy every single Wii U and 3DS game before the eShop shut down. Um, that is so many dollars. <laughs> like, I know that there are some good titles, but like, there's got to be a lot of shit too <laughs> like this is quite the undertaking well because i think he bought and played everything right it wasn't just that he bought everything because this has been like a multi-year project <laughs>
1: yeah well that's the thing is like uh if in the video he like they said it like it doesn't sound like uh, that big an undertaking like if you look at steam if you wanted to download like Um, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I have a thousand games on steam. Like you go in there you buy them, you download them, you pay for the DLC outside of it. You download it. It's, it's installed. But like, if you watch this video, it's kind of an interesting, like the, the, the eShop's shutting down aside, like the process of trying to go about this, it really feels like a very YouTuber thing to do of like, (laughs) this is shutting down. Here's an idea. What would happen if we tried to buy everything and, and have it on our systems and the roadblocks they hit, not just outside of like buying a bunch of gift cards, because at this point, that was the only way to add, uh, at, at a certain point, there was no, the only way to add funds to your account was through gift cards. They kind of stopped the, the credit card payment processing, I think, mid last year.
0: I was gonna say, I remember that news story that they weren't going to accept credit cards anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they, this whole process is they're discovering all these roadblocks, like you can only have $250 in your account. And the idea here was to buy all the stuff on one account. So they had to load it up with 250 bucks, buy stuff, download it, then load it up and rinse, repeat. But then when they got to DLC, they actually realized like a lot of the way DLC is sold on the 3DS is you had to play the game to unlock the ability to buy the DLC because it's within the game. (laughs) So (laughs) they're sitting there having to play all these games uh, to be able to buy the DLC. Like it just runs into these... These roadblocks that uh, that you wouldn't come across unless you were trying to like hit the title trying of your to do exactly this basically
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah so uh, in total it took them 328 days to complete which was 866 Wii U games and 1547 3DS games purchased in total and that was over like we said over twenty two thousand dollars. Across 464 eShop gift cards, <laughs> like how tedious would that have been? Like, oh my god! And then it was 1.2 terabytes of Wii U games and 267 gigs of 3DS games. Yeah, this which is wild. <laughs>
1: it doesn't sound like a lot of space taken up, but when you think about um, the process they had to go through,
0: well, yeah, just trying to go through like entering those 400 plus gift card codes and then like having to actually go through the purchases of like basically almost 2500 games right (laughs) like jesus that forget playing the games like that totally aside just going through the store and purchases was probably 200 of the 328 days
1: (laughs) yeah and and not only that they ran into some technical hurdles in terms of uh i think the Wii U. one of the funniest ones is the Wii U caps out at 300 icons like even if your hard drive will store more games the (laughs) Wii U will only display 300 it won't let you download more stuff because you've hit that 300 cap and the video like makes it play up like um they didn't know this stuff so it's kind of weird but like a lot of this stuff's been I've seen in, in discussions even in the discord like that you know, the caps and like have been well established. Like they've been there for years. People have run across them before, but, um, the video kind of plays it up of like, Oh my gosh, we had no idea. And, ah, you know, frustration. So there's there, I think there's a bit of, um, there might be a bit of theater going on there. I don't know. But, oh, yeah.
0: Uh, well, obviously, like yeah. they're they're entertainers, right? Yes. They're content creators. So oh,
1: I, I and that's I should have said, said this from the beginning. I thought the video was super entertaining. I, I really enjoy, I've never seen uh, one of their videos before. I'm I'm sure I've heard uh, of the completionist before. But this this video, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was like a fun adventure. But man, like the, the amount of hoops they had to jump through just to kind of get to the end and they did end up, I think they ended up donating the completed collection to, um, uh, a game, uh, video game history organization that Mm -hmm. will be able to use that to sort of, because again, like the other thing is the e-shops have been closed. They're done. They were closed yesterday as of this recording. And there are games that were available there that you cannot buy. Probably Otherwise, otherwise. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the, uh, It's the Video Game History Foundation is where uh, they donated the um, micro SD cards and external hard drives and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Nice.
1: Yeah. So, like, I think it's important also to highlight, uh, like, a lot of people, you know, might question, like, why would anyone do this? But it brings attention to the fact that Nintendo is shutting down, you know, two of their digital stores for platforms that... um, that are just a generation old, you know, and I think that anyone who looks at those shutdowns and things like, oh, well, the switch won't be impacted, the Switch Z shop will exist, you know, for for much longer than that. It's like, but no, like, I think this, it, it sets a precedent for Nintendo to be like, okay, we have a new system in the market for five years, let's shut down the previous one. I don't I, like I, I think these videos like bring attention to that and and hopefully keep those shops running for a little bit longer. Uh, mm-hmm. Than then then five years past their prime you know um because there are a lot of experiences that you could only get like wind waker hd you can only get that on the wii u you know if they yeah. did not port that there are a lot of games like that that uh that only exist on that e-shop uh and would be very difficult to find uh physically um without spending a lot of money on ebay so
0: yeah yeah <laughs> instead spend 22,000 on the e shop <laughs> before
1: March 27th so we don't have that yeah. option anymore yeah you we and don't I have are, the option yeah
0: <laughs> well speaking of nintendo uh this is breaking news as of this morning there was the zelda um tears of the kingdom oled switch has been revealed um and so ryan when we were talking this morning I was a hundred percent on board. I was like, "I am definitely buying this. It looks so cool. And like, even if I don't love like love, love, capital letters love, the current edition of Zelda games, like the, I guess like symbology, iconography, whatever, like the the art style and and everything else and the symbols of Zelda still look freaking cool and like uh, they're to me representative of so much more than breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom right like it's very it's still like the the crest and the triforce and the master sword and all that kind of stuff like kind of transcends those games so like i just love the way that this switch looks but like i kind of forgot (laughs) like that this is just an upgrade to the screen. There is literally nothing else different between like the launch version of the Switch and then this like upgraded bigger screen um in this new version. So like, I don't know, man. And, and the other piece of this is I assumed the game came with it, but the game's not included in the bundle. So it looks like it's probably based on other um, bundles. Cause I think there's a Splatoon 3 bundle as well um, and that's $469 in Canada so I'm assuming that this is going to be the same and I'm like I'm not going to spend that much money just for a screen upgrade like my switch is working fine and the guts of it aren't any different so I actually am kind of like backing myself off from buying the the Zelda branded switch which is too bad it is really cool looking but like, I don't think you can justify it without the the guts, right? Like, if I already own a Switch, like it's not a big enough upgrade to justify, you know, four hundred and seventy dollars. That's insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, but
0: in my opinion,
1: there's an Ethernet port on the back. Does that change your mind at all? No. Oh, okay.
0: Then, <laughs> not yeah, at yeah. all.
1: Um, you can buy an adapter on Amazon for like twenty bucks, so you're probably good. But yeah, it uh, these the OLED model when it was when it launched it it was all it all came down to the screen you know and i think if you are playing out of docked mode from what i've heard on the oled models like it is it is which i
0: never do i never do i always play docked so
1: so i don't like outside of so here's my suggestion and i get it like it it does look really cool but like i look at this and i'm like okay like the joy-con controllers look cool but like my dock is behind the tv uh so i wouldn't even see the dock um I did buy <laughs> um from the Nintendo store. I doubt you'll be able to get this dock specifically, but I bought a refurbished Animal Crossing one. Um okay. so I have like a an I have an Animal Crossing dock downstairs for the kids and we can bring the Switch down and play there. So like I I I don't really see the dock as uh as something I would want to get, but you know, they also announced like a Switch Pro controller and I mean honestly, like that might be the better approach. You know, um we already got our skyward sword joy-cons. And now we yeah. get a uh Tears of the Kingdom uh pro controller, which which does the Pro look Controller
0: for the and the case. So that was kind of the full um collector's edition or not collector's edition, special edition announcement was the uh console, the pro controller, and then the the carrying case. And the pro controller and the case I think both look really cool and I think we could probably use another pro controller because we only have one right now so i could ma- i could justify that a whole lot more than i could justify buying a whole entire new system like it's it's more it's after taxes it's gonna be more than 500 dollars, and that just matt would get so mad <laughs> yeah
1: i cannot um I, like for me i remember when the oled was announced and after every edition that has been announced since like they did a pokemon one a splatoon one as you said I I just can't buy I, I can't buy the OLED version. I'm I'm right now waiting. I'll just wait for a like if they announced a Switch Pro, as you said, like new guts, I would go for that. No problem.
0: Well, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah. And I yeah. think
1: that's the thing is like I don't want to buy any OLED model because I know as soon as I do they all announce a Switch Pro or a Switch <laughs> yeah. 2 and everyone like that. And you, then Ryan. you've just
0: spent $500 and you're like why why yeah. did I do that? Yeah. yeah. I think that I'll probably get the controller and the carrying case um cuz I don't really like I have the carrying case we talked about this um a little bit uh, after the show last week but um yeah I have the um collector's edition Breath of the Wild carrying case which I don't necessarily love. It looks like that tablet thingy. Yes. Um. And uh, yeah. Like so. I think I'll probably pick up the carrying case because I could use a new one. Um. So I'll probably get those two. But yeah. I think I'm going to steer clear of the console. I've talked myself out of it in the last few hours.
1: <laughs> that's. I think that's the right. Yeah. I, like I think it's the right move in the case that like if you I, that same iconography is available on the controller and the case and um. I'm in the same boat. I, I could use I could use another Pro Controller. Like I think when the when the Joy-Cons were announced, like they were a little expensive, but I only had one set. So I was like, okay, that's a good idea. Well to yeah, have. I
0: only had the one set and I had the launch set and the left mm. one kept desyncing. So Right. Um yeah. So I mean I needed new Joy-Cons when those ones came out, but uh yeah. So anyways, um the actual console edition launches on April twenty-eighth. So that is the Dock and the Joy-Cons and the, and the console, no game. um, And then the Pro Controller and the Case launch alongside the game in May. So a couple weeks later. Right. Which is also kind of interesting. Like, why not launch everything together? But...
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Maybe allowing people to get the console in their hands and make sure they're ready for the launch makes sense.
1: Yeah. And it, it, could, it could, from a manufacturing standpoint, it might take them... Longer to get a bunch in on store shelves. So although I don't think these will be hitting store shelves, I think they'll be sold out.
0: (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I don't know. It looks good. I mean, did you get a chance to um, to watch the gameplay trailer that was sort of released alongside this?
0: I didn't. Okay. Which was um, kind of on purpose, mostly because, like, I know I'm going to play this and if I see too much of it, I'm afraid that I'll get really put off.
1: Go <laughs> cancel your pre order.
0: <laughs> I haven't even pre ordered it. Wow. I'm not bothering because I'm going to buy it digital on the right. day. Like, because there's no reason to buy a physical edition from my perspective. So, yeah, I'm just going to buy digital on the day. And, uh, yeah, and especially, and so, like, obviously we work from show notes. And so <laughs> I can see Ryan's comment here about weapons, and it just makes me cry.
1: Yeah. So, it was kind of so the the video was kind of funny because uh, first of all this is the first time we've seen uninterrupted gameplay outside of a trailer, which is kind of funny because this this game was announced four years ago or something and we've just seen really great trailers since but they've been more
0: they're very know, cinematic yeah cinematic like, um yeah. edited
1: together not a lot of like uninterrupted gameplay so this was like you know anuma going through and playing the game 10 minutes there was some stuff edited for time just to kind of zip around the world a little bit but like it really gave an uncut look at some of the new abilities but they did weirdly they 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 didn't address the elephant in the room that is like a lot of people do not like weapon breaking
0: that was like the number one criticism of the game i felt like across all reviewers and all players like that was People who wouldn't criticize anything else about that game always mentioned weapons breaking. And I was like, if that is the number one thing that everyone, even like hardcore diehard people who are still giving you tens out of tens, are saying 10 out of 10. But the weapons break and I hate it. But 10 out of 10. Like, just (laughs) why wouldn't you change that? Like, just stop. Because... That was that was one of the things. Like there were you guys know, there were a few things that I didn't love about the game, but like uh, one thing that really took me out of the gameplay and out of like the link fantasy of it all was that like you would get something super cool after going through one of the like divine beasts and clearing an area, you'd get something super cool and then you're like you can only use this for like half of a fight and then it's going to break. And then you have to get some, like, special gem or something to fix it. And it was like, why am I jumping through all of these hoops? Like, I should just be able to use the cool thing that I just unlocked. Like, that's the whole thing about the entire Zelda franchise. Like, most of the time, it's very lock and key. Like, you go into a dungeon and you unlock the hookshot. And that lets you get into the next dungeon where you unlock the boomerang. And that lets you get into the next dungeon. And you always get to use the cool new thing that you got as a result of clearing the space and it didn't feel like you could do that in breath of the wild without jumping through a whole bunch of hooks or hooks hoops and then like backtracking and, and everything else and like i i just even if they took weapon breaking away from like the specialty stuff like the cool things that you unlock then I think I'd be a lot more okay with it. Like, if the spears and the swords and stuff that I pick up off of all the little baddies, if those things break, fine. But, like, I want things like the Master Sword and then, like, my other cool unlocks, I want them to be permanent all the time, period, away from the durability system. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion.
1: I, I think you're, you're right in the sense that a lot of people... um even if they really, really, really enjoyed the game, they you had to note like weapon breaking was frustrating. It could be frustrating in moments where you may have like a good collection of weapons, but you could be mid battle have a weapon break and then suddenly be scrambling to figure like, okay, like what weapon do I use now? You know, what do I have in my my inventory? And it just it felt like it could it, was it, too it disrupted disruptive. It. Yeah. yeah, and so in in the gameplay trailer, like. I want. I don't want to say, like, it's funny because Nintendo kind of addressed it in a way where they're like a typical Nintendo way of like, nah, it's not changing. You know, weapons are yeah. going to break. <laughs>
0: we know you hated it, but we don't care what you want. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I mean, to a certain degree, it's like, I, I mean, uh, yeah, good for you, Nintendo. It's their,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's their game. And I do respect, like, um, game devs and, like, it's their job and they want to make the game that they want to make. And I understand all of that. And I respect them and their process. But at the same time, and I feel like I've used Wow as an example a couple times today, but like, Wow really struggled for quite a few years because they had that exact attitude. And they would put out, you know, like um, the PTR or PTB—I can't remember which one it is—in um, in their game. But whatever, they would put their their content out for testing. People would give them feedback and say, "Look, this is really not fun. This is really not fun." And then, like, their they would lose their player base because it would—they would launch. They'd be like, "Well, that's the way the game works. So if you don't like it, tough, don't play." And then people stop playing, <laughs> like. Their player base dwindled so far over like BFA and Legion because they or sorry not not Legion um BFA and Shadowlands because they just didn't seem to listen to feedback from the people who were bothering to give them feedback and then by the time they changed things like they would implement feedback they got in the very first expand or very first patch of the year or of the expansion, they would implement it two and three patches later. And it's like the people that were complaining about that are long gone. You can't take a year and a half to implement feedback on a live game like that. So anyways, all of that to say, I do understand the, um, I guess, like the attitude or the the mentality of this is the game that we want to make. This is how we want it to work. But I think that there's got to be A little bit of give and take. Like, don't listen to every single person on the internet who's, you know, screaming the loudest. But if you get one piece of feedback consistently from your player base, like weapon breaking in Breath of the Wild, like it just seems to me you should pay attention to that because otherwise it's always going to be a talking point, right? And it's going to overshadow what it is that you're trying to do with your game. Yeah. No, I, I I agree. I don't think it's bad enough. Like like wow, I don't think it's bad enough to make people stop playing or to steer away from Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I think it's small enough that people will probably go, oh man, like me, <laughs> yeah. that's a that's a system I wish didn't exist, but I'm still gonna play the game. So like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But it just seems odd to ignore feedback that came from I would probably say ninety percent of. Breath of the Wild players were not fans of this just based on reviews and, and, you know, social media and stuff that I had seen. There were some people who liked it, but, um, there were many, 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 many more who did not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It it was feedback I had with the game too. Like, I I think that it was something that should be looked at for future games of like, okay, if we're going to have weapon durability, let's have it make a little bit more sense. Let's have some systems in place where, you know, we can repair stuff or protect yeah. certain items for a certain amount of time. Like we don't know if that's in or not in the game. Like they didn't show it in the gameplay. And the example we got any weapon that broke, um it was, you know, link, oh, here's a tree branch. Let's collect this. We'll need it later. And he uses the tree branch once or twice and it breaks. I mean, that checks out. A tree branch against Yeah. uh robot enemies not going to work out. But um it it did lead into this discussion in, in the gameplay overview of like, okay, a new system we have is called Fuse, where you can merge items in the game to make weapons. So he took that same tree branch and he took it, he put it up against a boulder, he chose the Fuse ability, and he suddenly had created a, like a, a makeshift hammer and okay. it was much stronger and it did, it did not break in the gameplay uh, overview, but again, who's to say, It probably would break eventually, but like it goes back to their original design philosophy of like, how do we make, how do we force players to try all the different weapons that they come across for good or ill? And
0: which again is a really weird philosophy to me. It's like if you have a a player who really likes playing with spears, or another player that likes swords, and another player that likes bows, like why would you force the bow player to? be a spear player or why would you force the sword player to be a bow player like just let people play how they want they're gonna have more fun that way and it's also a single player title which is what is so bizarre to me Is like if you find a play style that you like and works for you why is the game company trying to force you out of it like who cares it's a single player title let people do what they want you don't even have to balance it like (laughs) yeah i don't know it's just bizarre to me
1: No, I I mean, and again, like we will see. I mean, honestly, all this being said, we could get the game on May 12th and be like, no, like the weapon durability is the exact same as the first one. And really it's in place. Now you just have more options for weapons. So like, for example, if you want to build, a bunch of the weapons you really like. One of the examples was like a stick attached to a pitchfork, and you'd think, "Oh, that's really neat." It's like, "Well, it's just a stick attached to a pitchfork," <laughs> literally what it is. And it just—it was a longer—it was a longer pitchfork, really what it was. Now that I think about it, uh, so it—it it showcased some of that. Some of the other stuff they showcased were um, the recall, which we saw in some of the game or the cinematic trailers, where you. Would stand on a rock, and that's how you get up to the sky islands as is you rewind that piece that had fallen and you travel upwards. Um, there's some vehicle building with this power they call ultra hand. Um, and that allows you to like basically like you can make a boat with like a bunch of logs and um these little fan things that were laying around. And uh the other one was Ascend, which again we have seen in the other trailers where you can go and this was the crazy part like not only can you just go up a level but you can go in like say there's a mountain you don't have to climb it you can just find a cave and then ascend through the cave and that like transports you through the mountain to the top of that mountain so if they're adding all of these neat abilities and new you know power-ups and and uh stuff you can do i would hope i would hope that they would look at like because that was a lot of some of the uh other criticisms like the climbing was a bit tedious like if it rained you would fall over oh yeah (laughs) you know so like they've kind of addressed a lot of that verticality stuff so
0: yeah i didn't even necessarily mind the climbing like as much there were times when sure it was really frustrating but at least they had a system to help you get around that like if you ate the right food then Mm -hmm. you would have an easier time and i and i liked the gathering and cooking and and all that kind of stuff um it's just that yeah, like there, there was no real like system to help alleviate the pain points of the weapons, you know.
1: Yeah, no, and and the only, the only direct addition or uh, the only direct uh, response was the master sword, in that it would take time to recharge. So it never broke. It just, as far as I know, yeah.
0: Can you imagine if the master sword actually broke? Broke. Yeah, well, no, if you
1: saw some of the promotional art, it looks like it's very much going to break. I mean, you you Uh, need a reason to get rid of, like,
0: the number one sword,
1: I suppose. But uh, Well, yeah,
0: and I guess, like, because this is a direct sequel, right? So, yeah, we shouldn't, in theory, have to go looking for it again anyways. (laughs) We should at least know where it is now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. hopefully we're just restoring it, and uh, and it'll be, in that case, it'll be a flawless weapon no no yes, durability
0: perfect love it <laughs> but yeah so again uh tears of the kingdom coming out soon lots and lots and lots of limited edition things now that are coming uh alongside that game launch so uh yeah i think both of us are, are pretty stoked for it so we'll see how that goes in in like a month and a bit i guess yeah, not long not long now uh, Netflix has been talking about a more strategic approach as it uh, kind of makes more partnerships with devs. Um, and honestly, like this, these stories about Netflix and its gaming, like pla- like Netflix is a gaming platform. I always forget that there are games on Netflix. And apparently I'm not the only one because only 1% of Netflix subscribers has ever downloaded any game from the platform. <laughs> Um, and that stat checks out with me and me and like, I just, I always forget that Netflix even does gaming to the point that like when I'm scrolling through Netflix, like on my phone, um, which I had to do because our, so we have a a pretty old smart TV now and it's no longer being updated. Like the apps on it are no longer being updated. So Uh, our Netflix app on our TV doesn't work. So I had to use my phone to cast onto the Chromecast for that TV. And like, I thought it was like a bunch of garbage mobile ads in the middle of my Netflix. I was like, what even (laughs) is this? But it's because I'm on the phone app and it's like, hey, did you know you could play games here? I'm like, no, why would you get up? Gross. (laughs) What is all this mobile garbage in my Netflix app? I just want to watch TV. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, man, the, like talking about more strategic partnerships, I feel like at this point, Netflix, just let it go. Like, it's not working.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of the discussion here is that there's a lot of talk around, you know, Netflix is using other platforms to, you know, bring bring the games to you. So again, like you can't go to the Netflix app and install those games. Netflix would very much love to serve these games to you through their app um and i think that's the reason they kind of like they kind of hide it but in a way that it's 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 a problem because as you said like you see it and it's like wait what what is is this an ad within my paid subscription yeah and and it's not an ad it's it's literally other it's a perk of of being subscribed and that you can access these games that are like apple arcade have um there's no in-app purchases. They're completely unlocked. And some of these games are really good. I mean, they are iOS you know, and Android games. So if you're not playing a lot of mobile titles, then these games might not interest you. But one that just launched today um, is called Terra Nil. And it's a, a brand new game. It's launched day and date uh, with Netflix and on Steam. And it's like a reverse city builder.
0: Yeah, that I'm actually really, really interested in playing that game, but I was going to go play it over on Steam.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to play it on my tablet through my Netflix subscription. And I know I've talked about this before. It's like very simple in that you you what I do is I I go to the app store. I search Netflix. I click on the develop again. This is why they want to build their own store, because the steps here are really not that simple. Yeah, uh, I go to the Netflix developer and then I see all their games and I can download it that way. Um And Terra Nil just launched today. And if you have Netflix installed on your phone, you really only have to log in once. It just works. You know, it's not it's not cumbersome once you get the game downloaded. But if you don't know when these games are coming, then it can be very hard discoverability wise. So like Netflix would Mm -hmm. really love to just have a mobile games tab in their app that you can just download them as opposed to going through the app store. And I know that's something that a lot of companies are looking at and trying to get both um, well, trying to get Apple to change. I, I think within the Google store, you can install through the Netflix app. Like it, it's connected in a way that you can, you can hit the button and it'll download, you know, uh, outside of the play store. I'm not a hundred percent. I know Apple has been a big roadblock when it comes to that. Yeah. But um,
0: <laughs> as for you, <laughs>
1: Yeah, that shouldn't really surprise anyone. But like there's a lot of companies that are trying like Epic's been trying to do this. And I think Microsoft's also ready to go whenever uh, Apple changes their mind, which they will likely have to be forced to. I don't think they're going to change it on their own uh, yeah. uh, decision. But like, yeah, like Netflix making more strategic partnerships, I think, is more about like they are trying to get more content. And they're. I think they are applying like the Netflix model to games. And I, I don't think it's going to work the same. You know, where yeah. they licensed a bunch of stuff early well, on. Yeah.
0: And especially when like, I mean, Terranil Nil is interesting in mm. that it's a title that I was planning on playing anyways. And the fact that it would be available to me through my Netflix subscription is probably the most like enticing that this platform has been to date. But then like I, I look at some of the other offerings and they're like, oh, they're so excited for a new too hot to handle game. And I'm like, <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. so
0: I think like it's um, if there were ways for Netflix to work like Game Pass in that, like I got access to games I wouldn't otherwise have for free by virtue of having a netflix subscription then that's something i would be interested in but i have zero interest in their like stupid crappy reality tv show bullshit like i don't want a too hot to handle game like i don't want any of what they're offering in that space i don't want anything that's super like match 3e or you know like (laughs) any of those like traditional mobile titles If this worked like Game Pass and it was like, hey, we noticed you have a Netflix subscription. Did you know you could access blah, blah, blah game over here? I'd be like, oh, cool. That is the route I would like them to take, which is less about development and more about licensing, right? Yeah, which is
1: what they're they're trying to do. Like, I think they are I I think right now they are focusing on licensing other games, but there is a struggle and like what you're seeing a lot in the news is that Netflix is buying up companies to have them make games based on, uh, Netflix IP and yeah, Netflix IP is like not that strong anymore, you know? Um, Yeah. It
0: used to be really good and really, and could have been potentially really interesting when you think of some of the like OG originals, like when Netflix only had two or three things that were their own, like they were some really interesting things. That they made available. But like, I don't know, now it's like when I see Netflix original, I'm like, ugh, that's almost a reason not to watch. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like most of their Netflix original stuff at this point is reality stuff, right? Like they have a lot of like food-based shows, they have a lot of the like dating reality kind of things, the the too hot to handles and the love is blinds and those kind of things. And then they have like the true crime documentaries, which are the ones that I watch the most of. But like, I don't know, in terms of their actual like fictional stuff, it gets canceled too quickly for me to actually pay attention. So like, if you're going to cancel your original TV shows, why the hell would you then develop a game about it? You know what I mean? Even if that is maybe some of your most interesting IPs. Uh, I don't know. I just I find it really hard to get invested in Netflix.
1: Yeah. Well, I, as of right now, the way I look at it, I have Netflix for the kids, uh, because they're their kids programming. If you're not solely into disney stuff is is probably the best out there um but that's the reason we have it and the way i see it is like i have access to i think a game every every quarter or so i think the last one i really got into uh through netflix was into the breach which was a mobile port um but now i i will check out uh terra nil i, I plan on playing it for next week but uh it's it's a game I, I played the demo on Steam and and it it works really well. It should work well as a tablet game. I, I haven't played it yet, so I can't say for certain, but it should play well uh on a tablet. And I think it comes down that it's come down to is like not everyone's into mobile titles and mm-hmm. um you know down the road we could see this Netflix for games come to like PC. I don't think it'll come to consoles, but you could see it come to PC at some point. Uh, But right now their focus is on mobile. But um, yeah, I just yeah, I don't see how I don't see how it makes them money. That's I I don't think it's something that is going to drive people to subscribe to Netflix. And I think that's the main reason you try to do something like this. So
0: yeah, exactly. Well, we'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on it for you. And uh, I think both of us are going to play Terra Nil before next week. So that'll be really fun. Uh, One last story for you guys this week. Microsoft and the Activision Blizzard merger, or I guess buyout merger, whatever, the thingy that they're doing, um, the CMA, which is the UK's uh, kind of regulatory agency, um, their provisional finding says that it is not going to result in a substantial lessening of competition. So basically their findings are very much in Microsoft's favor of uh buying out Activision Blizzard. So, I think now the one that we're really waiting on to see is the US one. Yeah. But uh kind of a good uh good news story for Microsoft here this week.
1: Yeah. No, I, and it seems to it, it seems to be like, you know, these um competition uh folks are, are are starting to come around on the deal. I think thanks mostly to the deals that that Microsoft is making around Call of Duty.
0: Yeah, the ten-year deal that they signed with um oh shoot who was that Nvidia right yeah and Nvidia Nintendo
1: and Nintendo yeah and I I think it goes a long way and we'll see we'll see like this is just you know probably going to be fine type stuff like their final announcement I think is end of April but I think we're in the now we're in the home stretch of like is this deal going to happen and It likely will um but yeah like it's supposed to close by end of June and. This, and News like this kind of goes to show that this is likely going to get, gonna happen at this stage. So we should be able to move forward from having these stories every <laughs> every couple yeah. weeks.
0: Yeah. Well, so. I mean, if Diablo Four comes to Game Pass, then I will probably pick that up in June.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. I think for me, I'm planning to pre-order on PC. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe the deal will close, and then and then I won't have to. But uh, I haven't pre-ordered yet. But uh, my plan is to at least use the Game Pass version for Xbox. So, yeah, we'll see.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. If you guys want to continue the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.